2: Welcome to Friday. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Feeling all right, man. Smiling. We're ready to go. We've got a schedule drop at some point. We'll hear from Ronnie Green in just a moment. I'm still smiling about the old fast times at Ridgemont High Table Read. My God, that was hilarious. With the cast of characters and, of course, Morgan Freeman narrating (laughs) that's only morgan freeman can do Uh, we'll get into some football lots of nfl thoughts some nebraska stuff and you can join us today at 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865 find us on twitter at schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And I've got a question out there uh, at Schmidt underscore radio uh, in honor of the Fast Times at Ridgemont High table read where you had Jennifer Aniston and Brad Pitt and Shia LaBeouf getting baked in his garage uh, playing the part of Spagoli, where you had the real Spagoli watching on. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What movie scene do you want to hear Clausburn recite? I mean, there's a lot of options. I think he might be leaning towards any given Sunday in Al Pacino. That Inches speech, probably the best part of the movie, aside from the chainsaw on someone's Maserati. That was good. Uh, I like the Al Pacino speech, but it's not suitable for air from uh, Scent of a Woman. But we'll see what Closburn comes up with. He's going to join us, we'll dive back into the forecast couple of really talented high school teams kick off tonight eight o'clock on espn lincoln locally that's southeast and creighton prep uh we will hear from coach Catula and coach yonk uh Derek peterson with us in 15 minutes the pride of fairberry i think his favorite movie is fast times at ridgemont high bill dolman will be with us you're puzzled, Elijah. Your, your mind's wandering. You've got your Nuggets jersey on. It's a big game, big big night for you Denver fans. So tell me this. Is, is there not a movie that just immediately pops into your head? There's not. That's why I'm racking my brain here. I, I, give me, give me Clausburn trying to live up to
0: anything Al Pacino has done. See, I want to hear him doing... I, I want to hear Clausburn do the, uh, the Germans from Die Hard. I'd like like to hear him try to pull off a German accent. He does a hell of a job pulling off the Klaus accent, (laughs) I think. Is that fake? I always thought that was just his voice.
2: No. I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) You and and LaBouffe need to go back in the garage. (laughs) (laughs) But let's, let's start off with a little high school ball last night. You had Lincoln East. You had Millard North and the... Delayed touchdown call, seen round Nebraska, and what a shootout, right? You had undefeated Lincoln East on the road at Miller North, and East was up 28 to 21 to 7, and the the Miller North squad battled back. I think they eventually took a lead 28-21, and with two to three minutes left in the fourth quarter, East surged ahead. 41-40. to And we're talking with just seconds left. You had a fumbled snap by the Millard North quarterback. You had a pile up of bodies on the goal line. You had East asking their defense to make one more stop. And they did. They made one more stop. But as things happen when you're on the road... You are subject to interesting officiating. You can make the valid point, you're up 28-7, you're up 21-7, you're you're up on the road. Maybe it shouldn't come down to that. I, I get that. But you've got a, a good team in Millard North and you got a really talented team in Lincoln East that came back and took the lead. And you had an incredible night by Walters again for Lincoln. He's chucking the football. He's just so good. And you, you have the Millard North quarterback fumble the snap, go down, roll into the end zone, not roll on top of somebody into the end zone, but go to a knee, which you can do, but you can't be on a knee and touch the football because then you are down, and then you're down short of the goal line. I have not seen aerial footage. I've seen uh, Channel posting. I've seen Channel 7's posting, and I've seen the World Herald's posting. So we don't have a clear ABC, ESPN, Fox, College Football view of things, NFL Network view of things. That said, I'm going to armchair this thing and say, that is the worst bleeping call I've seen in five years. Any level of football, where fumbled snap, knees down, short of the goal line—I mean, that would have done the the '94 Orange Bowl justice. And then here comes the refs, and I can hear the audio. I think I can hear Gangery going, "It's over," and it was. He should have jumped on the bus and got home forty-one forty, and still been unbeaten this morning. And. They're going to be in the playoffs. They'd be in the playoffs in a normal year. They're good. But, man, what a blown call. And, Elijah, your eyes are squinting like you're you're in SEAL Team 6 mode. Uh, You have endured some interesting phone – not just – moments, but some interesting calls on the road in your high school career. You just said phone calls there. The refs are human. God love them. It's a thankless job. It is. But man, that was bad. Where he got two dudes running from the sideline and you got the main referee there. They blow their whistle. They look at it. And eight minutes later, it felt like, touchdown, Millard North. What a sick feeling if you're Lincoln East. Hopefully you get him again in the playoffs. And you they, saw the footage too. Oh yeah. And and, and and am I overreacting by saying that's the worst football call I've seen in 5 years? There's a lot of candidates. There's a lot of catch no catch NFL Sunday moments. All right. There are some moments in college football, but that that missed call goes up there to me with some of that's up there with fifth down Missouri as, as, as being wrong. That's up there with pick the final 90 seconds of Penn state, Nebraska, 82. Yeah. That's where I was going. That was just on two weeks ago as football season kicked off and we waited. And, it's also up there with the phantom clip of Lance Gray against Florida State, and then the William Floyd touchdown, no touchdown, their only touchdown in that 94 Orange Bowl. By the way, the phantom clip on Lance Gray negated the Corey Dixon touchdown return. This is high school, but man, that was, that was horrific. And you just, I'm sure that it didn't have to be said, but when you go on the road, you pack your defense, your run game, your special teams, and you better have a 7- a to 10-point cushion. You, you better play from ahead on the road. And you better have a, a big enough lead that it's truly insurmountable. And I'm not, I'm not wagging my finger at East at all. I love watching their team play. So I think they did everything
0: right. They got host last night. My question is, how close are we to the refs getting instant replay in high school football? And I who's know Who's funding it, bro? I see you're looking there, but when <laughs> I was playing at Southeast... And I'm not, I'm not saying you're wrong, I'm just saying who's funding it. Huddle. Not necessarily funding it. Get a, get a test run, but Huddle has the infrastructure to get this done. When I was in high school, you got done with the drive, we could come off to the sideline, we had tablets on the sideline where we could watch that previous drive from Huddle. It was very quick. You did? Yes. For for high school? For high school football. We had tablets on the field. Look and at it, you, bro. And we had our uh, <laughs> the, the huddle camera up top to film it. Marble come here. And it would you wh- see wh- that man? That man needs to stay off of your quarterback. No, that's exactly what happens. And sometimes we'd get some <laughs> weird blitzes during the game, and they'd come and they'd say, hey, we're going to look at that's this on film. That's incredible. That's yeah. sweet. The technology is closer than you think in high school football for someone to have a, a, a camera up top and to send it to the cloud down to a tablet on the field very quickly, and the refs can go look at the play. Are we there yet? Probably not, just because money. But if anyone from Huddle is listening, let's start working on the technology and getting some instant replay in high school football. I mean, Seacrest has a video board, for crying out loud. You can send that video feed right to the video board. You don't even need tablets on the field. So,
2: and, I, and I'm all for your, your take on
0: this. Thank you.
2: But we need camera crews. I mean, it's, you've done Husker Vision. You're there taking footage all the
0: time. You'll need camera crews. Right? I mean, it's still high school replay. You can just do it with the one camera up in the box and see if you get a good angle or not. Or would you mount a camera on the goal line and would you pop for
2: some pylon cameras? Pylon cam in high school football? Now you've piqued my interest. Do you string a a diagonal cable? So it's almost, you know know what I'm saying with what you have? The The, the the spider cam, yeah. The spider cam, the overhead cam.
0: Do you string one of those up from flagpole to flagpole? Well, did you see the new, uh, I I believe, I can't remember if it was last Thursday night or last Monday night, where the, uh, it was last Thursday night, because the NFL network crew has this new camera that they mount underneath their spider cam, and it uh, uses a whole bunch of small cameras, and it gives you a 180 degree view of the field. What's that camera run? I'll start passing the hat. I'm saying. I'm just I'll saying. I'll start passing the hat now. Technology gets cheaper as the years go on. We could be closer to seeing high or instant replay in high school football than we think. I, or, I, 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 was, I was horrified. Listen, yes, give me
2: instant replay, okay? But I was horrified that that call was
0: botched yes. so badly. Yes, I, I am horrified for Lincoln East. And when you go watch it, it's a it's a tough call for that that uh, referee to make on the goal line. But it's a it's a call you got to make the the tackle or tight end got pushed back on that side and his view was blocked a little bit but the ref should be able to come together and say that snap was fumbled i thought his knee was down right whenever he got but the but i'm ball. saying like the the line judge though i mean the the line judge was was
2: both of them ran in and then you have your your umpire that's standing around the line of scrimmage i don't fiz- it's when when i saw the 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 quarterback go to his knee to pick cuz it was brother it was it was so on top of one another goal line inch to go ball game trying you know you trying to decide the finish here if you go to a i mean it was fumbled almost like it was a fumble rooski, which it wasn't it was just high pressure moment you're a center trying to get that under center snap back to the quarterback you've got people firing off trying to get low and leverage and bro it, it man it was It seemed very, very, very obvious that knee was down and ball was touched. Honestly, I mean, I I don't know how you can rule after further review that that's a touchdown. I, I can't believe that. We'll talk some college football with uh Derek Peterson coming up but that's 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 a that that's a beyond a missed call that was just and I'm gonna say it a home cooking call and the refs aren't cheering for Omaha teams but it's not the first time a Lincoln team has gone up to Omaha and suffered some questionable calls I'm gonna say it there was not any rooting by the officiating crew at all? Not at all for Millard North, but the home team got the call. The Metro team got the call. The road team did not get the correct call. Russ is with us on Hale Varsity. Russ, go ahead. Russ, Russ, you're with us, bud. Go ahead.
3: Can you hear me now?
2: I got you now. Go ahead.
3: Okay. Well, uh, I'm from a small town in northeast Nebraska, St. Edward, and uh, it was about a year after I was out of school, but the guys that I played with, I came back for a game, and they played North Scotia, I believe. And uh, the game went back and forth. We were the home team, and um, they were going to qualify for state Mm. if they won, and we weren't going to qualify but. Our kids still played their rear ends off and uh, stonewalled a kid at the goal line, and they gave him the touchdown. He was nowhere close to the end zone. And as uh, the kids were walking back to the locker room, the referees were walking next to him, and one of the referee was, referees was overheard saying, "Well, I felt bad for North Loop because they've worked so hard and they were they had a chance at going to state, and uh, I just I felt bad for him." So he literally admitted the fact that he basically gave that touchdown to them, so that they could go to the state football playoffs, and, and knew that St. Edward was not going. Mm-hmm. And so, these guys are human; um, they do have uh, feelings. How the game's going to go, and it works all the way across the board. Ask Bo Pelini and uh, any trip he's ever taken to Texas. No, so he <laughs> ask, was basically Ask poor told PJ, ask poor PJ
2: Smith <laughs> about that. Yeah. Right? I mean, when I think of that A and M night when you want to talk about uh, a, page, right. a page out of Remember the Titans. Right? With when, with with right. uh, home cooking Reffin. Yeah, A and M was told, thick uh, that night.
4: He,
3: he told he told Pelini on the sideline, "This isn't going to go well for you tonight." and uh same thing in the big 12 championship game so uh not saying there was anything premeditated but these guys have feelings just like anybody else and uh I haven't seen the video. Uh, I'd like to
2: take a look at it and see it. But, well, check uh, out 10 Twitter or uh, or Channel 7's. I've retweeted it, too, at Schmidt underscore radio. Russ, I'm up against a break, but thanks for your input, man. Thanks for telling us your story about uh, those close calls. All right, we'll uh, get in with Derek Peterson. Uh, hailvarsity.com and Magazine. We'll get to some big red thoughts on the schedule. That's on the way.
1: And now, and
2: now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Good to be with you on a Friday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Clausburn one hour away. What movie scene will he be table reading from? A la Morgan Freeman from his fast times at Ridgemont High Read. We welcome in the good doctor, Derek Peterson, HaleVarsity.com and magazine. So, Dr. Petey, you've got this schedule all figured out, don't you?
4: Hmm. Um, no. If if you think you know what the Big Ten's going to do, it means you're uh, 180 degrees off.
2: Okay, so let's just roll with it. And I really enjoyed your column, com is where you read Derek Peterson on what the new schedule might look like. And there's been some indication that maybe it, it, it's a pre-COVID schedule, which means you'd chop one of the three crossovers, Penn State, Ohio State, and Rutgers, uh, yeah. the uh, the email just came to you, and you get to pick who are the two crossovers. Who who would you pick for Nebraska?
4: Oh, well, it's a tough question, and it's and I think it's like, I mean, we heard Bill News on Wednesday. He hmm. he said it multiple times. He said it again since it's about fairness for them, and that is a, a signal like, hey, we would. <laughs> we would like to play uh, Rutgers on our schedule instead of having to play a schedule that consists of probably the best two teams in the West and then the best two teams in the East and those two East teams being the best two teams in the conference. Like if we can have Rutgers instead of Ohio state, um, I I think just like in a vacuum, Nebraska would probably take that. But I also think um, too, there's an element of this where like, Scott Frost is a competitor, and he's going to want to play the best. And there's the iron sharpens iron thing that Nebraska lives off of. Um, it, you know, if you take the – so Purdue's athletic director said that they're going to base it off the pre-COVID um, altered schedule. So the original nine-game conference schedule, and you just take one away. Penn State is, I would say, almost assuredly not coming off the schedule because it's a home game. And so unless they're swapping designations around again, I just don't think that one's coming off. So it's, it's basically between Ohio State and Rutgers. And, like, if you look at that schedule, I mean, we talked about this at nauseum before. Everything was kind <clears> of <throat> thrown up in limbo. But it was, it, that was the five-game stretch to close their season that was Ohio State, Penn State, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Iowa. And, and I don't think I have the order correct, but those five teams mm-hmm. um, in five straight weeks. And it would be the same this time. If you take an Ohio State off and replacing it with Rutgers, then, I mean, realistically, that week either becomes a canceled game because Rutgers can't field <laughs> the necessary uh, players required to play the game, or it's not not a gimme game, but a much
2: it's easier easier game.
4: path to victory than playing Ohio State, and so do you, do you want kind of to kill yourself physically before you play Penn State, Wisconsin, Iowa, and Minnesota, or do you want to have? I, I think it's a tough question. I think Scott Frost would probably like to play Ohio State because I think um, you know they were so close in 2018 in his first year in Columbus, and then they got embarrassed a little bit last year. I think the competitor and Scott Frost and probably the competitor and some of the kids on the team or a lot of the kids on the team would want to say, Hey, no, we're better than, than what we showed on, on, um, primetime after game day last year. But I think Bill Moose probably wants Rutgers. Um, I do think also that th- there's going to have to be some concessions made here and there. And, 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 by multiple teams. And I wonder if maybe Moose can get Iowa on black Friday, or he can get uh, Rutgers on the schedule, and that, it, maybe he gets both. Because if you just use the pre-COVID schedule, Iowa naturally falls into that Black Friday weekend, that Thanksgiving weekend. Um, if you're taking off one of Ohio State of Rutgers because they're back to back, and so Iowa just naturally falls into that spot. So you don't have to do any adjusting. Um, but you know, just because that's the, the easiest path doesn't mean that's that's the one that the Big Ten's going to walk down. So I would I would probably say. Keep Ohio State on the schedule, just because I want to see what Nebraska's made of.
2: That's where I'm at. We were talking about that yesterday, and my expectations for 2020 are: let's just see what what progress is made. Nebraska's stayed ready. They have been so dedicated. The the student athletes have to wanting to play. The coaches, the brass, they've been so vocal about getting back to this point. I mean, they have they've been. Yeah. So valiant with with their attitude and effort. I mean, they, they really do care, man. You hear about, well, I want guys who love, the, who love the game. He's got a bunch of guys that have committed themselves to loving the football game and getting ready for the season. So I'm with you. It, it's not – it may not end well, but let's just see where we're at. Last time Nebraska played Penn State, Saquon Barkley went off and a 1,000 points were scored in a rainstorm. Uh, last time Nebraska played Ohio State, game day was here, and it got real ugly. But it could have been kind of cool had uh, Ohio State not burned a timeout with the option attack running down their throat. So let's just see where they're at. And that, that's what's weird. You're right, because I go back to the 2018 Ohio State team that was really good. They had a bad night in West Lafayette. And then I look at last year's Ohio State team that was fantastic. I, if, if Moose can get Black Friday in Iowa, and I kind of feel like he, he can – I think was pretty open to it. That'd be really cool. With yeah. with with these opt-ins, wh- where's your gut go with that? Do you think the opt-ins can get waived by the NCAA? Because I'd rather play a, a, a Purdue that's got Rondale back. I mean, they're going to try and sell him coming back. you got the two Ohio State kids that are going to opt back in and whatever they took from an agent, what were the benefits, give those benefits back. Uh, You have Michigan's top linemen coming back in. And you've got Bateman from Minnesota. Minnesota, I mean, what are they going to be like? They lost a lot on defense, but they were supposed to be pretty feisty on offense. Got a really fun west that's pretty wide open. What's an expectation level you have? And do you like the opt-in, let those kids come back if you were making the rules?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think Minnesota was probably hit the hardest by Mm -hmm. opt-outs. And and then on the other side of of the conference, probably that distinction goes to Penn State. I mean, it makes 100% sense to me to let those kids come back and play. If there's, you're going to have to, there are probably going to be logistical hoops that you're going to have to jump through if they signed with an agent, if they got um, anything from that agent. like, But <clears throat> like, figure out a way to jump through those hoops, right? And over the last couple months, like, aside from continuing to extend the recruiting dead period, like the NCAA is sort of acting like the restrictive parent that suddenly becomes super cool when you go off to college. Um,
2: (laughs) We're friends now, Dr. Petey (laughs) kind kind of like, like
4: shocking people with some of the, the decisions that they're and some of the proposals that they're approving. So, I mean, it seems like it's a slam dunk to just say, yeah, you know, sever the partnership with the agent, give back anything that you were given and, and you can play. Uh because circumstances changed. Your season's gonna be played now, you're gonna be able to um compete with your teammates and then prepare for the NFL draft and not have to choose one or the other. So it seems like <clears throat> I mean, yeah, I'm I'm one hundred percent in favor of that. Um and, and, and if if all of those guys that opted out are able to get back in and you know, we kind of start over with where we thought we were gonna be you know, whatever it was in February and March, like I think Minnesota has to be given respect. Um, I, I flipped my pre- my prediction of who would win the division uh, in the most recent mailbag and said I'm just going go to go the safe route and say Wisconsin, just because I don't know what um, Minnesota's had had too many variables kind of up in the air. Um, but I think they they have to be given respect, and the same goes for Iowa, um, who. who hasn't necessarily been hit as hard with opt outs as other teams, but um this this division it's been like this recently where you have those top three teams and it's been fun with those top three teams, but like Nebraska can make it fun. And like this is the same thing that we've been saying over and over again through years and years and I, I get that, but <clears throat> if the pieces are in place offensively and they are ready to go like they claim they are, like Nebraska can make it fine, Nebraska can make it a party on the other side of the the conference. It's to me, it's really Ohio State and, and Penn State. Um, I think Michigan State is in for a rebuilding year. Um, the rest of the conference, the rest of that division, is nothing great. Um, we'll see. But I, like I think the West can be really, really entertaining. And, and honestly, it should really be up for grabs as long as Nebraska um, is what it is claiming it is.
0: Derek Peterson's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Derek, you mentioned the extension of the, uh, the NCAA recruiting dead period. I saw last night on Twitter that some Husker recruits uh, were advertising a, a change.org petition uh, to try to get that extension lifted. Uh, do you have any thoughts on the extension of the recruiting dead period?
4: I mean, from a, from a logistical standpoint, it makes sense not wanting to have a bunch of kids hopping on planes, crossing state lines, going to a new environment, potentially either picking up the virus there or bringing the virus with them and not knowing they're bringing it. Like, I understand the science behind it. But at the same time, it just sucks for this class. It's just really – it's a tough pill to swallow for this class. You don't get to take official visits. You don't get to go experience – like, this is the only time that these kids are going to get to go through – like this, this environment, this high school senior season where they're getting recruited, this is the only time they get to go through that. I'm of the mindset that if a kid wants to take official visits while he's recruited and this, the other schools are going to pay for it and you know there's there's open communication and dialogue with the school that the kid's committed to, he should be able to take those official visits for the same reason. They only get this opportunity once in their life. They're only courted this one time. I mean, I guess if they enter the transfer portal, it becomes different. But to this extent, and these kids are missing out on it, and you add to that, like, what are early early enrollee kids going to do? What are mid-year kids going to do? They're going to have to commit to schools that they haven't visited in in any kind of official capacity. I just think, like, while understanding the science, I think there has to be, like, some kind of, of way to allow in-person recruiting and and in-person contact in some, it doesn't have to be like just open the floodgates and let it be what it was, but at at least some watered down version of it. I don't know. I like, I feel like I'm rambling here, but I, I would like to see those kids at least looked after because I just feel terrible for
2: them. Fair point. I mean, let's, let's figure out a solution where they can at least, I don't know, Check out where they're going to spend five years of their life. Derek Peterson's with us, alevarsity.com and magazine. Be sure to catch his podcast, The Return of Big Ten Football, uh, the Varsity Club podcast with Derek, and, of course, his coverage uh, on uh, football. And uh, Derek, about 10 seconds. Where are you at tonight, man? Uh, Creighton
4: Prep in Lincoln Southeast.
2: Well, stop by Any the booth. I'll, I'll see you there. All right. Will do. All right, buddy. We'll see you. There he is, Dr. Petey. Derek Peterson, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. We'll hear from Southeast Head Coach Coach Ryan Gatula next.
1: And we're back. Fellas, think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes!
5: That's awesome!
2: High school football gets uh, going a little bit later. Uh, Lincoln Southeast against Creighton Prep. We say hi to uh, Head Coach for the Knights, Ryan Gatula with us. Coach, uh, off to an unbeaten start, what, what have you seen from your team uh, and what 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 progress has made you happy from game one to where we're at right now?
6: Well, the big thing with us is we've just stressed uh, every week to uh, improve and get better as a team. Uh, you know, we've got a lot of new kids playing this season. Um, we have some really good leadership from our senior class, which has helped. Um, defense has been very solid for us through the first three games, so that's been real consistent. And you know, I think we've made some some good progress uh, on offense. We've got five new starters on our offensive line and a number of new running backs. And so, um, like I said, the kids have had a great attitude of just getting better and progressing every week.
2: When we first talked uh, before the opener, you, you mentioned that that leadership was pretty big during the summer and. As you went into the season, uh, give us, uh, some of those traits, if you could, about not only the upperclassmen, but just where they have been able to, to kind of stabilize, not just how you do something, but, but help, but help also instill some confidence in the younger kids.
6: Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think the big thing is just, uh, you know, the older kids who have been uh, a part of what we're doing at the varsity level, just, um, their ability to keep our focus in practice um, and bring along the younger guys that maybe don't have as much experience. Um, We have a very good schedule, a very tough schedule. And so um, we've talked to them and and, uh, our leaders do a great job of making sure that we're focused week in and week out and always prepared. Because, uh, like I said, we we always got a a good team on our schedule coming up. And so uh, we have to to be focused in practice. And they've really helped with that. And we do have some – some experience um, certainly at our receiver position and uh, defensive line guys like Maddox Burton uh, Derek Branch in our secondary uh, those guys are experienced football players at the class A level and so they really help our younger guys out
2: what type of growth have you seen from Burton I mean uh, great size very physical but uh, spend a little bit of time if you can on his development as he's continued to grow
6: Yeah, he's played outstanding for us the last few weeks. Uh, I thought he was pretty dominant. If you go back and look at the first three to four series of the uh, of the Grand Island game, um, you know we were able to produce some turnovers uh, early in the game, and then our offense took advantage of those. And uh, you know he made a number of plays along the D line and uh, made a great play on a screen early in the game, and so. Um, you know, he's, like I said, a guy that has a lot of experience and uh, has really worked to, to get better and, and be a leader for us uh, along that defensive line.
2: Ryan Gatula is with his head coach for Lincoln Southeast. Uh, Southeast, Creighton Prep set to go uh, a little bit later. Coach, uh, at what point did, did things kind of materialize and, and finalize for the, the go-ahead against Prep? I know they'd been in quarantine, but uh, when was the all-clear given for this?
6: Yeah, well, from our standpoint, you know, what, what we were told is uh, that, that this game was always always on. We certainly, you know, after our game last week, uh, you know, checked to make sure that everything was still good. And, and uh, from what, you know, everything we were told, everything was good. So we're glad uh, we're able to, to play, uh, play the game this week. Excited. They're a very good football team. And, uh, you know, it'd be a great challenge.
2: What sticks out to you about prep on film as you've gotten ready to prep your guys?
6: Yeah, you know, defensively they have a lot of experience. Um, very uh, aggressive as far as they get to the ball really well, and so uh, like I said, they're an experienced defense and and uh, they they're well coached uh, and do a lot of good things on that side of the ball. And offensively, they got some guys that could go make plays. Uh, uh, Bullock, uh, uh, Rollins, uh, those are guys that you know certainly in the passing game have made some big plays for them. And so uh, the other thing, I guess, offensively is they do a lot of different things. And so you really have to make sure you're prepared for the different formations and looks that they're going to give you. And so communication will be really important for us defensively this week and making sure we're lined up against their different formations and account for what they want to do out of those.
2: As you look at the prep offense, are they pretty balanced? You said they're multiple, but are they pretty balanced with the run and the pass?
6: They are, you know, it's Creighton Prep, so uh, they're going to have a physical run game that they give you. Uh, that's traditionally, you know, what Creighton Prep has been all about, and it's no different. And then, like I said, in the passing game, uh, they have a senior quarterback, and they have uh, a number of guys uh, at the receiver in tight end position uh, that can make plays for them. So they are balanced, and, and that's the other challenge of defending them.
2: Let's flip it around to your offense, and, and you mentioned some of the youth that you have, but sounds like your kids are growing up pretty fast which is uh, that's that's really good development uh, with with your offense what what do you like most right now that's going on either run or pass and then what area do you think that you're maybe just a game or two away from from maybe maximizing
6: yeah well for us early in the season it was uh it was about the running game um, you know making sure we had five seniors start on our offensive line last year and so Um, We had, you know, some young players, some guys that, uh, you know, we think are going to be really good players and some guys that had played at the JV level for us. But, you know, they had to grow up pretty quick. Uh, And just them having time together, I think, has been really important uh, as far as them kind of meshing together. And also, you know, with our running backs last year, we had, you know, Nick Haleen and Isaac Gifford carrying the ball most of the time for us this year. We have a number of new running backs. And so uh, I think just, you know, having a few weeks of uh, our backs and, and linemen kind of being able to mesh uh, has really helped our running game. And, and we've thrown the ball pretty well uh, also the last couple weeks. And so when we have that balance, uh, you know, it makes us uh, a little tougher to defend.
2: Ryan Gatula is with his head coach, Lincoln Southeast, and uh, Creighton Prep, uh, throwback game that I watched a lot uh, growing up, and uh, both teams set to, to kick it off a little bit later on coach uh, as the leader of the program what was your message to those younger kids uh you know you want to play and play well but you also understand that it doesn't happen uh overnight or after a first or second quarter how have you been able to kind of uh i don't want to say ease those guys in but but get them ready to to meet a standard you want also understanding that uh they are they're they're kind of getting their feet wet
6: yeah, like I said, we stress that you know from from day one this season is that you know week in and week out we're going to play very good football teams, and so uh, we had to make sure we had great weeks of preparation every week. And like I said, our seniors have done a great job of helping us uh, as coaches with that. I think uh, you know our coaching staff, uh, our defensive staff, has done a great job of putting game plans together. Uh, that really, you know, keep us in every game while our offense uh, kind of comes along. And, and uh, you know, the, the young guys have really grown up pretty fast. And so uh, that's exciting to see for us.
2: Ryan Gatula, head coach for Lincoln Southeast. And we'll have uh, the Knights and Creighton prep on 8 o'clock kick on ESPN. Lincoln, coach, uh, always a pleasure to spend a few minutes. Thanks so much for your time.
6: No, thanks for having me.
2: Ryan Gatula, good to hear from him. Coach Yonk from Creighton Prep will wrap us up around 5.40 a little bit later on. Bill Dolman is going to check in here uh, a little bit after 5, get his thoughts on the week that's been with the Big Ten Revisit. Maybe a little NBA thought from Bill Dolman, who was the uh, voice of the Rockets for uh, about four years or so. And uh, I know uh, Bill will remember uh, Larry Frost as well. We'll wind down hour one next on Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now... And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Wind down this first hour, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Get us on the podcast. Do so, HailvarCity.com or iTunes. Subscribe. And uh, the... Uh, Two-Minute Drill, part of the Hale Varsity uh, Twitter handle and, of course, ESPN Lincoln. Some of the best uh, snippets from different interviews and parts of the show at ESPN Lincoln. Also on demand, ESPNLincoln.com. So if you're moving, West Blue Realty is going to help make that thing not only bearable, but probably... Highly enjoyable. westbluerealty.com com. Tom Lubies, who you call with West Blue Realty, 540-3768, area code 402. Kelly Hofschneider, also there to take care of business at 402 202 2312 West Blue Realty makes moves smooth for you. And they specialize in residential home sales in Lincoln and the surrounding communities. And when you mention Hale Varsity, get up to a thousand dollars upon the closing of your next home purchase. They also can take care of you if you have agricultural land because uh, they specialize in uh, and are experienced in agricultural sales. They have live auctions. They can handle those, sealed bids, and general land listings. They've sold land in different parts of the great state of Nebraska, Seward, Oto, and Lancaster County. They can help you out as well. Go find them today, westbluerealty.com. Get an appointment with Kelly. Get an appointment with Tom and uh, do so 1120 K Street, Suite 200. Let's hear from Ronnie Green. He was with the mayor earlier today at her press conference. A little more info from Ronnie Green and the pending schedule with Nebraska and the Big Ten.
3: We will be releasing from the Big Ten the schedule for that conference uh, schedule uh, early next week, so you'll be able to see what that will look like. Uh, It's being finalized as we speak. Uh, but we're we're very excited for our players, for the community, for the state, for us to be able to return to competition uh, safely.
2: So the next time Ronnie speaks, I hope I hope it's more good news because he's been able to deliver a bucketful of good news this week. Hopefully, it's that you know by by the second home game. How about about thirty thousand of you and your closest buddies in red, messed up ready to go.
0: If they can do that, I would like a statue of Bill Moose, Ronnie Green and Ted Carter arm-in-arm arm, all in front of the stadium. Yeah, with Frost. Oh, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Right? Obviously. that would be alright. I mean, the question is, is could you get that up before the first game that we have fans? <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be a tough ask. I think if, if, they, if they get things pushed forward
2: where fans can watch football, uh, people will help build it. <laughs> <laughs> People, sure, we'll, uh, we'll get right on that. You'll have statue makers uh, invading uh, Lincoln to, to uh, get that thing put I'm up. I'm
0: trying to think which part of the stadium. It'd probably the south side? South side, there's no... Well, you've got Coach Osborne with Brooke, north side of the stadium. Yeah, and that's just iconic. And, then- and, and where's Devaney at? I've never
2: seen that. Div- and then you've got a K-State ball carrier about to be murdered by the entire black shirt defense <laughs> on the east side of the stadium. So where's Devaney at? Is Devaney on the South Side? I don't know. The running joke is that Devaney's... Old Jack Pierce told me this. He's like, Bob's statue, it, it points towards O Street. And and Tom's statue points towards a church. <laughs> 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 so, so, Bob's statue is pointing towards a bar. Tom's statue is pointing towards a church. Pretty good. And, and the K-State ball carrier is looking for the state line. <laughs> Just to get back down, uh, down safely. Bill Dolman, the pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports. He's next tail varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Hour 2, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, will check in with Clausburn. I think we have narrowed it down to the Al Pacino Inches speech from any given Sunday as the table read tribute to Fast Times at Ridgemont High and the Friday forecast in 25 minutes with Claus. Uh, Creighton Preps head coach, Coach Yonk, is uh, in about 35 minutes Big game tonight, prep in Southeast. We say hi to the pride of Fairbury, who scored more than six town six touchdowns in one game. Bill Dolman with us. At Bill Dolman on Twitter is where you find him. You watch him on NBC Sports. Billy D, how you doing?
5: Well, I am uh, probably like most folks from uh, back in God's country that are uh, quite happy with the developments of the week gone by. And, of course, uh, if I were to even tell that to somebody out here in Colorado, they would have no idea what I was talking about. But, uh, nevertheless, it's... Uh, uh, been a good week.
2: It's been a great week. Did you uh, ever tap out on hope that this day would come where the revisit would be a return?
7: Um,
2: you know, I, I think part
5: of the reason why I was optimistic is because the Big Ten was so uh, inept in its, um, in its PR. I mean, I, I thought that To a certain extent, I thought uh, academically, let's just say with with Gilbert Lewis and the guys from Lambda, 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 I had a feeling that that they might be so unaware of the PR damage done to their conference that they may just try to wait this thing out, you know, and get to February and say, well, you know, uh, we have no idea what happened and just be oblivious to it. But, you know, this this is a culture in which, you know, it's a 24-hour news cycle, but still, if you make a bad mistake, it can last for, you know, a long, long time, and that's what the Big Ten was facing. And I just think from a marketing and PR standpoint, with the way they handled it, that at some point somebody was going to have to step in and say, look, we get we are really doing some serious damage to our, our institutions. And, uh, you know, regardless of what you uh, poindexters think, um, the Big Ten really looks bad right now. And it did. And it's, it still doesn't look very good. And I'm not sure it's necessarily going to recover. It's, it's not exactly Pac-12, but it's no longer the SEC and the Big Ten, and, you know, ruling college football and college sports. And so I think that to a certain extent, I, I, the, there are people that said, look, this does not look good. And we need to revisit this at some point. And I'm sure they've spent the last few weeks trying to figure out how to go, oh, we, you know, to, to satisfy the smart people who are not very smart, but to say, well, we, we've been, re, you know, looking at the data and we've been talking to the scientists and the experts. And we feel that now would be an appropriate time to, uh, re, you, know, you know, go back and look at this issue again, when in reality, you know, you've got your your Bill Mooses and your Gene Smiths and your Scott Frost and your Ryan Days, who are, you know, basically driving the big 10 and you know justin fields certainly helped but justin fields doesn't do what he does without scott frost saying what he did on october or august 11th Mm -hmm. this is all this is all predicated on what nebraska did nebraska is the one that got big 10 football back ohio state certainly moved up to stand shoulder to shoulder with nebraska Penn State and James Franklin, kind of right there, and Jim Harbaugh, kind of right there, but it's Nebraska and Ohio State that got this done. And eventually, you know, lambda lambda lost to uh, uh, the, the
2: alphas, Vegas. Yeah, the Alphas and ogre and in, uh, in quarterback stand. So I got to ask you, when it comes to the schedule, and Ronnie Green was uh, at the mayor's presser a little earlier today. That uh, that that should be happening relatively soon. It's being worked on. What's your feel with the schedule? Do you keep Penn State and Ohio State? Some could see it as punishment. Some could see it as, well, it's it's what was on the schedule anyway. You just punt Rutgers because who knows how bad they really want to play anyway. No, 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 anyway.
4: no,
5: no, 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 Nebraska deserves to play Rutgers,
2: right? Okay. I mean, I
5: mean, they deserve it. You got a team that just does not want to play. I don't even think they really want to be in the Big Ten to begin with. But, but I think Nebraska deserves uh, I think Nebraska deserves to play Maryland, Rutgers, uh, nice. Indiana, all the schools that were hiding you know behind Mom's skirt. That's right. who Nebraska deserves to play. but you, you know we're going to get the the Big Ten West, so you got that, so you're going to get Wisconsin, and you know, and I like Bill Moose trying to muscle back that game on you know the Iowa game on on Black Friday which it should be. And it just gives you that one decision right there. just gives you the complete uh, synopsis of the ineptness of the previous administration. Um, and again, if I'd been in charge, it never would have happened, but um, they're going to give Nebraska, Ohio state. I'm sure they're going to try to give Nebraska Penn state. And, and I said this last week in the show, when all of a sudden you start seeing lots of penalty flags flying, it, it, then Ohio state needs to start declining all the penalties. Right, do do a we don't want We don't want the Texas A and M revisit from what was it, October of or November of 2010, when the Big Ten through, or the Big Twelve had 16 penalty flags thrown against Nebraska for simply walking onto the field. But so when all of a sudden you get above like seven penalties, eight penalties in a game, everybody else needs to decline them.
2: Let me go serious for a second. Do you? I am serious. You, okay, so you you really believe that it, it, it? I don't disagree with you with the exit of the Big Twelve. All right, between not getting Iowa on New Year's Eve and the Buffalo Wings Wild, you know Buffalo Wings Bowl or whatever it was, Nebraska was exiled to the Holiday Bowl again to to re take on Washington. You know, rematch Washington. That didn't end well. Uh, you think? You think there'll be some uh, some retribution? Are you, I mean, really serious about that? Uh,
5: I think that there will be um, some questionable calls. I, I think that there will be sideways glances at Nebraska for a long time. And the good news, the good news is that you know Nebraska and, and Ohio State are every, you know in, in the front seat of the car, and everybody else is piled into the back. Gotcha. So if you've got Ohio State, you know, kind of on your side, then I, I think to a certain extent, look, I, I I just I can't believe that there is not animosity toward Nebraska because the Big Ten has always prided itself on being, you know, an Ivy League equal uh, institutions and whatnot, and, you know, everybody's got to wear a bow tie and all that kind of stuff. And, and I really think that, you know, to a certain extent, I'm sure that even when we entered the league, and, you know, and drove up to the first game in, in tractors and overalls, um, that, that there's probably been a few people who have not believed that Nebraska belongs, despite the fact that you're going to bring in one of the greatest national fan bases in all of sports. But this, I think, to some people who are Big Ten purists and academicians only, are probably not enthralled with Nebraska showing up. And I, I just believe that. I mean, you know, I get that Desmond Howard or Dr. Desmond, is he a doctor? Don't think so. Um, uh, epidemiologist or something. I, I really believe that what he said, you know, came from, you know, uh, a place of animus. Okay. I don't think it was necessarily an opinion in the moment. I, I think that there's probably. Some animus to you know what his opinion was and certainly you hear that from pat 40 and nicole Arbach and some of the national media is that that it's kind of like you know what it's one thing to poke fun at and the instance for knowledge and we all drive tractors we all get it ha ah, funny uh but i i do think that there is you know there is something to you know people have an opinion and it just i think it goes back to you just don't get it you just don't understand who we are what we are you know uh, what Nebraska is all about um, and you know there might be some jealousy to that I don't know but uh, I do think that there's that there's an animosity toward Nebraska that is probably deep-seated in some people.
0: Bill Dolman's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio and Bill I remember a few weeks ago when we talked about the whole Desmond Howard Michael Wilbon issue the first time uh, you mentioned that with this season cancellation I mean there could be conference realignment in 2025. Um, now that the Big Ten season's back, do you think that there could still be a sour taste in Nebraska's mouth come 2025 and we could see more conference realignment?
5: Well, I don't think you're going to see Nebraska leave the Big the Big Ten, I, but I think there's going to be a major shift in college football, and it, you'll probably start to hear whispers more about it. I shouldn't say whispers because the whispers are out now. Um But you're going to start to hear more rumblings as to what may happen in 23, 24. And I would think things would be settled by 25 because you're going to have TV contracts that are going to, you know, start to come up and negotiations. Um, You know, you're going to have the NIL thing, uh, which I think probably had, you know, some influence on what was, you know, transpiring over the last couple of months. Um, There's just going to be a major political shift in, in college football, and not, I'm not saying necessarily college basketball because that doesn't drive it, but with college football, and you're going to see, I think, the emergence of a college football organization again, and this time it's going to be on fairly solid footing, and you'll probably have you know 64 you know, schools that are representing regional conferences, much like they do now. Um, I would bet that Notre Dame may lose some of its power, uh, in terms of remaining an independent, BYU is going to have to try and find a home if anybody actually wants them. Um, they may end up back in the Mountain West, but I, I think that there's going to be a major shift in college football, and I would think that all that groundwork is being laid right now behind the scenes of what's been taking place and just trying to get football back in 2020. But I don't think Nebraska. I don't think Nebraska is going to leave the Big Ten. I don't think that's ever going to happen there is as as unstable as it has looked and as bad as it has looked over the past few months um, it is still the big ten it is still bringing you 50 plus million dollars a year and it is still going to have major TV cachet which is still where the money is going to be as well as uh, internet platforms and you know who knows who's going to be a TV player you, you, you know I, in my business you look at You know, getting in with Amazon and CAA and agency out in L.A. and, uh, you know, Facebook and all that kind of stuff may be involved in the TV and and Internet and online um, broadcast operations in the next uh, three to five years.
2: Bill Dolman's with us prior to Fairbury NBC Sports. Bill, you spent a lot of time uh, with Husker Vision. You spent a lot of time around the program, and you spent uh, quite a bit of time with Scott Frost. Did you uh, get to know uh, Larry Frost at all in your career?
5: You know, not not really. And I've been thinking about that the past couple of days. And I'm certainly prayerful for Scott and his family. And this has just been an incredible time of, of joy the last couple of years, despite the success on the field. But for Larry to have Scott come back and, and coach the team, and, and for Carol as well, and then you know to go through the lows, but to still be the guy and to do his job honorably at his, at his parents' alma mater. And to be the leader that he's been the last six months, uh, you know, I'm sure uh, there's no question that his parents uh, were very proud of what he had done. So, you know, you you really are prayerful for Scott and his family. I I remember, I was thinking back the last couple of days, my really only interactions with Larry were with Adrian Fiala, Um, you know, because they were teammates back in the day. And, you know, so if I was with Adrian at a game or something and we crossed paths, you know, it was all, it was the two of them right. yucking it up. And then you just kind of happened to be along in the conversation. But, you know, it was, it was kind of a cordial meetings and whatnot, but you certainly respected, you know, Larry for what he had, you know, done as a Husker, as a high school coach. And then, you know, Scott's dad, he raised a great family. And, you know, uh, so certainly it uh, is a time to be prayerful for Scott.
2: Bill, a uh, shift to, to uh Joe Burrow. Uh, I enjoyed and I never thought I'd say Cleveland and Cincinnati, but that was a good ball game last night. Let's get your take on on Joe Burrow. Uh two games, no preseason, really poised, got the hell beat out of him, but almost almost got a win. What's what's your quick takeaway on Joe Burrow in in Cincinnati? I mean, are you are you wild by him or are you reserving uh, judgment. Uh, I'm not saying you're crowning the guy, but I think he's been pretty impressive for such a young dude.
5: Uh, well, see, that and, that, and that's a relative term can, because when I've watched, I watched a little bit last night. Um, I, the thing that impresses me, despite the fact that he's a rookie, he is he has a maturity. Um, And you just hate to throw big names out there like that because it's not fair. But I remember when Peyton Manning left Tennessee, went to Indianapolis, and the way he handled himself as a pro uh, certainly had a lot to learn. There's no question about that. But there are some similarities, I think, in the maturity level for Joe Burrow to be in the situation that he's in with a loser organization, and you know, God bless Zach Taylor. Uh, But uh, what impresses me is that he is a mature guy, who understands, you know, probably the organization <laughs> and let's face it, that's not a great organization. Um, but he handles himself extremely well. He doesn't have a great team around him. Um, and I, I, the other name that that came to mind last night, I was, I was watching this and my hope is that he doesn't turn out to be Archie Manning, who was uh-huh. a great college quarterback, you know, and more probably one of the great college quarterbacks of all time, but he ends up with the new Orleans saints, you know, who were just god awful. And that, you know, some so some many great NFL careers are predicated on who you got drafted by. You know, if Joe Montana had been drafted by the Cleveland Browns, do we ever hear Joe Montana again? But he gets into Bill Walsh's system, you know, and then and he turns out to be a great player. Archie Manning ends up, you know, being in an awful situation and doesn't have a great pro career. So uh, but I'm just impressed by his maturity and the way he handles himself, and I think there's everything to like about Joe Burrow. Uh, that's that's one thing. I think everybody looks at him and, and roots for him.
2: Bill Dolman, Pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports. Billy D. will get closer to kickoff next week. Thanks for a few minutes today, bud. Do we have any idea who they're going to play yet? Tomorrow, maybe, maybe Monday.
5: All right, well, um, I think they'll beat Rutgers.
2: <laughs> Take care, Bill.
1: See ya. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale City Radio. I got the body of a taut pre-teen
2: Swedish boy. Well, there's a nice back and forth going between Jamal Murray and Snoop Dogg. You see that? <laughs> Jamal Murray, hey. Lakers got to worry about us. Snoop Dogg says Lakers in five, we're not the Clippers, which is pretty good. Uh, breaking news from Michigan. The approval by Michigan faculty, a no confidence vote, not only taken, but passed in, in wow. President Mark's uh, slistle. So the uh, epidemiologist, bang, got it right. He you did. You're probably uh, even practicing at home? May, uh, in front of the mirror. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> may, uh, may just uh, have a U-Haul in front of his home. So this is an excerpt from the table read heard around social media with members of Fast Times at Ridgemont High and uh, Brad Pitt, Jennifer Aniston, and of course Morgan Freeman narrating the infamous pool scene. We uh, edited for sake of our jobs, but here's just a little touch of of uh, Morgan Freeman reading uh, the table read from Fast Times at Ridgemont High last night.
5: She knows how to walk. She is gorgeous. Her eyes are filled with desire as she says
1: Hi, Brad. You know how cute I always thought you were.
2: Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy, Morgan Freeman. We welcome in the Well, the biggest football fan I know. He's imaginary. He wears red. We will get into a forecast in a minute. Clausburn is with us. Claus, it's been quite a week. You got to be excited about football. How are you?
7: Well, I'm doing very well. I do want to apologize uh, if I lose you. I'm driving to a Kevin Warren leadership seminar and Uh, It may only have two minutes worth of content, but you get a free bag of peanuts from Northwest Airlines and a room-temperature Shasta, so I'm looking forward to it.
2: Shasta. Grape, I hope?
7: Absolutely grape. That's uh, what I was told, although I'm sure it'll probably turn to orange by the time I get there, knowing his track record.
0: With no communication either, right?
7: They won't tell you until you've already had three sips.
0: Nah, got to guess.
2: So, Claus, are are you gonna do? Uh, uh, do we want to get into the forecast here and and, and do some NFL pick'em, or are you ready to to try and one up Al Pacino from uh, the any given Sunday scene, uh, edited for radio, of course?
7: Well, it's your program, Chris. I'm willing to do whatever it is. Uh, that you want me to do. I've got some thoughts on the NFL, but I've also got uh, a script in front of me, so uh, we can do it how you want to do it, like uh, how it'll probably go tonight when you get home.
2: Uh huh. Yeah, exactly, Claus, Let us uh, clear the floor for you, Clausburn as Al Pacino, the table read, and the longest yard. Hit it.
7: Well, I don't know what to say, really. Three minutes to the biggest battle of our professional lives. All comes down to today. And either we heal as a team, or we're going to crumble, inch by inch, play by play, until we're finished. We're in hell right now, gentlemen, believe me. And we can stay here, get the snot kicked out of us, or we can fight our way back into the light. We can climb out of this one inch at a time. I can't do it for you. <clears throat> I'm too old. I look around. I see these young faces, and I think, I mean, I've made every wrong choice a middle-aged man can make. <clears throat> I, uh, I've spent all my money, believe it or not, chased off anyone who's ever loved me. And lately, I can't even stand the face I see in the mirror. You know, when you get old and life, things are taken from you. I mean, that's, that's part of life. But you only learn that when you start losing stuff. You find out life's this game at inches, and so is football. Because in either game, life or football, margin for error is <clears throat> so small. I mean, one half step too late or too early, you don't quite make it. One half second too slow, too fast, you don't quite catch it. But the inches we need are everywhere around us. They're in every break of the game, every minute, every second. And on this team, we fight for that inch. On this team, we tear ourselves and everyone else around us to pieces for that inch. Because we know when we add up all those inches, that's going to make the gum difference <laughs> between winning and losing, <clears throat> between winning, between living and dying.
2: See. Lord have mercy. That was absolutely incredible, Clausburn
0: Well done, sir.
7: Well, if you say so.
0: <clears throat> that, that took me to a locker room in the 90s at uh, Memorial Stadium. It, uh, it just all brought a tear to my eye. It did. And uh, let's bring more tears to your eyes, because you're going to have to pick for
2: or against your Broncos with the Friday forecast, as it is back by unpopular demand. Klaus, we may have to do this once a month. Just find a movie that you uh, you, you table read for us. Well, the, the hockey final is coming up. Maybe we do Miracle next. Could do it. I wouldn't mind that. Can you channel your inner Herb Brooks? Oh, you betcha, eh? Yeah. <laughs> Let's get to the forecast. Texans, Ravens, minus seven, does... Baltimore, jump out 2-0, or a little bit of a bounce back here from the Texans. I, you know, I was a little bummed out that uh, Ingram didn't get much going, but Dobbins was fantastic. Baltimore had a laugher, and I think they'll uh, find a way on the road. I think the sevens too much, but give me Baltimore uh, 24-7. Eh, Baltimore 24-20 over the Texans. Texans cover. Ravens win outright.
0: Elijah. Yeah, Ravens put on a huge performance last week, and Texans looked pretty awful, if we're not going to lie. Uh, it was against the Chiefs, uh, but they had more drops uh, in that game uh, than I have seen from the Texans in a long time, or just any football game. Uh, so I, I think the Ravens are too good this year. It's a blowout. Give me Ravens thirty-one. Give me Texans ten. Glasburn, who do you like here? Ravens or Texans?
7: Well, first of all, I bet there was no one happier to see the Big Ten get back to work than John Harbaugh. I mean, there's no way Jim kept all his football takes to himself these last few weeks. And I can tell you from personal experience, it's difficult to keep a head coach's crazy brother from wreaking havoc on everything. So. I'd say with uh, kind of a clear mindset, I like the Ravens as well. I like them to cover. Uh, 28
2: and Texans 17. 28-17, says Claus. Uh, This will be the uh, Sunday night game at Seattle and New England. Cam looked great. Uh, Enough defense and enough, Cam, you run right. Cam, you run left. Cam, throw it to yourself in the end zone and we'll beat Miami. Russell Wilson uh, will no doubt relish the opportunity to beat New England. I don't know if they're going to call a inside-the-five th- the pass in this game because there might be some uh, PTSD. But I just don't think uh, the Pats have enough horses. Give me Seattle to win and cover this one uh, 24-17. Seattle with the win. Pats going all the way across the country the other direction.
0: Uh, Elijah, what do you got? I think this one's going to be a close game. Uh, the three and a half sounds about right to me. I think Seattle's the better team. I think they could be the best team in the NFC this year uh, based on that performance we saw from the 49ers last week. I know it's only one week. Uh, but that Cam Newton running attack could be tough for Seattle to stop. They have a pretty depleted defensive line. Give me Seattle 28 and give me the Patriots 24. Seattle covers barely. Claus, what do you got? Seahawks or Patriots?
7: Well, you know, a lot of people say Bill Belichick's the greatest coach ever, given he's been able to win so much, had a lot of success, uh, even without Tom Brady, a lot of backup quarterbacks, and now Cam Newton. But I'd say unless he calls up Omaha Scott and tries to get Matt Turman to win a couple games for him, we know who the real GOAT is. That said, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to take the Patriots in the big upset, 20, and Seattle 17.
2: Late, wow. late touchdown. Late wow. touchdown seals it. Saints in Vegas. Gruden, Chucky, surprise win by Oakland. I was surprised. Uh, New Orleans by who? I was surprised the Raiders won last week.
7: What city do they play in?
2: Uh, Vegas. I, I I do that with the charters too. It's a swear jar thing. Clause. Uh, I can fund juniors' college just by. Calling an old team, their old hometown, uh, the Saints. I
7: still call them the Cleveland Rams. It's okay.
2: <laughs> the Saints will win. The Vegas Raiders will cover. Uh, give me, uh, give me New Orleans thirty-one, and uh, give me the Raiders thirty. I think it's be tight, tight ball game. A lot of points. We'll see how this. That may be too many points with, uh, with no Mr. Michael. Uh, catching the football but i think new orleans
0: will improvise elijah uh i like the saints in this one too and i think they're going to be in control most of the way but uh my bold prediction here is a vegas backdoor cover on monday night football uh i like the saints 27 and give me vegas 21 which i guess is a push claus what do you got
7: well, my biggest question now that we've established that the game is in Las Vegas, are they even going to be able to get their hands on working clocks? I've never seen one in that particular city. I guess we'll have to wait a while to find out if ushers offer the fans upgrades for free if they listen to their brief timeshare presentation. So a lot of unanswered questions uh, no matter what happens in this game. I'm with you guys. I like, I like New Orleans. I like them a little bit heavier, uh, 31, and Las Vegas 20.
2: Denver at Pittsburgh. The Donks go 0-2. Pittsburgh covers 28-17. to
0: 17. Elijah. Yeah, we, we saw that Broncos offense last week against a very good Titans defense, but they still looked a little anemic at times. Uh, Broncos, a couple more weapons back on offense. K.J. Hamler's back. Maybe Cortland Sutton. Uh, I don't like the Broncos to win, but I like the Broncos to cover. Give me Pittsburgh 24 and Denver 21. Klaus, Pittsburgh or Donks?
7: You know until he, until they forced him to wear kind of a wild west uh, gator on the sideline there I didn't think there was a way to make Mike Tomlin more intimidating. <laughs> I think given the choice between audibleing out of one of his plays or picking against him and, and riding a bucking bronco I'd ask for directions to the nearest ranch. I'm going to take Pittsburgh 27 and Denver 14.
2: About 30 seconds Chargers Chiefs I think the Chiefs go on the road and get a win it'll be tough. But they'll do it, uh, and I think they'll they'll barely miss the cover. I think they win by a touchdown. Lines eight and a half. Chiefs thirty-five, uh, Chargers twenty-eight. Elijah,
0: how bad did that Bengals defense look last night? And the Chargers could still barely beat them last week. Put up fourteen points against mm-hmm. them, right? Uh, I like Casey big in this one. Give me Kansas City forty-five, and give me the Chargers seventeen. Klaus, what do you got?
7: It's just as well we're almost out of time. I had a joke about Andy Reid's face shield looking like a fogged up teenager's car windows, but I didn't figure Christopher would understand the reference. So I'll just take the Chiefs 38 and the Chargers 21.
2: Claus, you take care. Okay.
1: And now. And now, back to
2: Hail Varsity Radio. Let's get some high school football thoughts from the coach at Creighton Prep. Uh, coach Tim Yonk with us as we get ready for Southeast and Creighton Prep. Coach, it's been a while. It's nice to to chat with you again. How's, how's your day going?
8: Yeah, it's going well. Uh, appreciate that. We've uh, uh, just, you know, hit the practice field here uh, yesterday and today and kind of getting ready for, for Lincoln's, a really good Lincoln Southeast team. So we're looking forward to coming to Lincoln to play.
2: Coach, tell me a little bit about your experience, not only with the, the craziness of 2020 with COVID, but just also having to navigate a quarantine with your team and uh, not only the, the safety and, and health that you've been a part of with your kids, but just kind of getting back to it here, uh, getting ready for this week
8: yeah i mean there's, there's been challenges for everyone uh dealing with this uh you know all the way back to the summer uh really and so uh you know we've we've managed it um, i think we've done a good job with it uh we've you know unfortunately had a situation where we had a uh positive case uh a couple weeks ago so we're coming off of a a quarantine uh, leading into this game, so um, you know not being able to do those things during a regular week. Last week we lose a game. Last week with Bellevue West, uh, we were supposed to play them, and so we didn't get that opportunity. So, so we managed it. Um, it's never an ideal situation in terms of you know preparation and. Uh, continuing some momentum that maybe we built off of uh, a nice win at uh, Papillion La Vista uh, a week and a half or two weeks ago, but uh, you know you, you just you just kind of just you know plow through it and do the best you can and and uh, you know our kids are excited about getting back on the field again on Friday night. We just got to get get them back up to speed in terms of practice and and doing some of those things that we normally do on a weekly basis, and so that's our job as coaches to get them get them going this week, and uh, uh, hopefully we can we can put a, a, a good product on the field on Friday night, and not look like we've had. A week or two off so uh, we'll see but we're excited about getting back on the field and playing
2: what are folks gonna gonna hear and and see coach uh, Tim Yonk with us Creighton Prep Southeast on ESPN Lincoln with with your team stylistically what do you like to do uh, on offense Uh, what do you like to do defensively and give folks a bit of a preview with your lines of scrimmage How, how pleased are you with with both lines
8: Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, we're pretty traditional, you know, offensive and defensively. I mean, we're not, we're going to be, we're pretty multiple on offense. I mean, we're going to run some two-back power football stuff, which, again, is, uh, you know, my background and in my wheelhouse. But uh, we'll also be able to to empty the backfield and go five wides with the weapons that we have out at wide receiver. Um, so we'll be pretty multiple there I mean we want to be a pretty 50 50 60 40 you know run to pass type of team uh, we you know we've got to be able to throw the football a little bit as well uh, defensively I think uh, probably where we where our team has made the most strides in the last year um, I think we're uh, I think we're a solid unit there I think we brought back a lot of kids on the, on the defensive side of the ball with a lot of experience that played a ton last year for us um, and so I think we're playing uh, uh, and have a great understanding of, of the defense and um... You know, we're in the second year of a new coordinator there on the defensive side of the ball. So so there's some comfort level there, which is exciting. Uh, so I like our defensive side. I like our athletes over there on the defense. I like the way we can run and, and cover. Um, and, uh, and we'll be challenged this week on the line of scrimmage for sure uh, from Lincoln Southeast on both lines of scrimmage. And so um, our offensive line is, is returning some guys. uh we we played without our center two weeks ago, and so he'll be back in the lineup this week, which would be nice because he's a two-year starter. Um, we, we're getting better in the offensive line. We're not a we're not a finished product in there yet. Uh, we'll start uh, we'll start two sophomores in the offensive line, which is. Is always tough against uh, uh, Class A opponents, but uh, those two kids are going to are going to be uh, are really good, and they're going to be really really good players, uh, you know, down the road for us. So we're excited about those guys. The Defensive line, I think, we're, is a strength for us. I think there's a, um, I think our kids are, are well coached. I think Coach Hennings does an unbelievable job with those guys on the defensive line, and and so uh, those guys have really uh, have done a good job in the first couple of games. Uh, maintaining the line of scrimmage. Um, and again, we'll, cha- we'll be challenged on Friday just because of, of what Southeast does and how good and how big they are up front. So uh, this will be a great test for us on both lines of scrimmage to kind of see how much improvement we've made in a couple weeks uh, since we uh, played uh, West Side, who I think is by far the best team in Class A football right now. Uh, but we'll see how good we are in, in some improvements that maybe we've made in, those, in, in both lines.
2: Couple minutes left here, Coach Tim Young, Creighton Prep Southeast with us here on Hale Varsity and ESPN. Lincoln kick off with the Knights and the the Jays a little bit later tonight. Coach, a, a thought here on some of your skill guys uh, as uh, not only your quarterback play, but uh, what you have uh, from a from a playmaking standpoint. And I know uh, listeners are, are interested in Rollins. Some have had a chance to see him. Some have watched his film. Some know about his his uh, Nebraska connection. Interested in, in what? Rollins brings to the party. I mean, I I really like his versatility and athleticism. Uh, Spend a second on him and then some of the other kids uh, on offense that that really can help make this offense go.
8: Yeah, well A.J. is a pretty talented kid. I mean, obviously you don't get offered by Nebraska and and Missouri and some of those places without being a a talented athlete. He's long and athletic and really run, has good hands. Uh, we do play him in a multiple uh, you know, multiple mm-hmm. spots. We'll, we'll flex him out um, as, a, as a wide receiver. We'll also put him in line. We'll put him in the backfield a little bit as well. So you'll see him lined up in a number of different ways, which I think, uh, again, is, is really good for him, showing that versatility. Uh, we need to get him the ball more. I mean, that is a, a guy that we have targeted about you know we need to get him the ball more and we need to make sure that that he's getting some touches and getting touches and so uh that'll be a focus uh for the rest of the year but definitely this friday night against southeast uh alex bullock is another wide receiver for us is a three-year starter really for us uh tremendous athlete long and athletic too plays on the edge had a great game against papio the other night uh but again it's the is an ultimate competitor He'll start two ways for us. O and D. Uh, we'll do some punt returning for us as well. Fantastic kid. He's a team captain for us, and uh, again is uh, again I think going to continue to have a great great season for us. So uh, he would be a guy that that people need to take a look at as well. Um, you know, in the backfield, uh, you know we have a first year starter and Sam St- uh, Sam uh, iceberg at uh, at at quarterback. Um, He's a game manager. Uh, he knows our offense. He's been in our program uh, and in our system, so that's a, a benefit for him. Um, he can throw the ball well. Can run the ball. He's not going to flash and dash you, but he is going to manage the game and, and run our offense, which we which we like. Um, running back, I think we have uh, we have a. a, a, a a whole room full of guys there that i think are talented we've played a number of guys we've had some injuries there the first couple of weeks so you know uh, jack stessman will be back in the lineup there for us uh carson bartek will get some carries there uh sophomore uh marty brown will get some carries there who started for us against papio so uh we have a number of guys back there that are going to get some carries and they're all very talented and uh uh, you know, it kind of keeps them fresh, too, a little bit. So I think offensively, I think we're a work in progress a little bit. I think we've got to find some consistency. But we at the end of the day, we've got to find a way to get our playmakers the football.
2: Coach Tim Young, Creighton Prep Southeast should be a great one at Seacrest and excited for it. Coach, uh, thanks for your time today. Always appreciate uh, chatting with you. And we'll uh, talk to you uh, down the road. Thanks again.
8: You bet. No problem. Appreciate you guys covering the game. Go Jays.
1: Miss us. Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at hailvarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or
2: download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. What final time, weekend edition tomorrow morning, 7 to 9 a.m. Hail Varsity Weekend. Myself, Mark Kranak. You're going to want to hear Claus uh, Burns table read of any given Sunday's inch by inch speech inspired by the fast times at Ridgemont high table read that raised a ton of money uh, on Facebook live that was pretty entertaining Uh, it was an hour long last night with Morgan Freeman narrating so a little pop culture mixed in Uh, we had our Friday forecast uh, good stuff from Derek Peterson on Nebraska we'll know more from Ronnie Green He was with the mayor earlier at her press conference with Nebraska's schedule. That will get done soon. Pac-12 news. Lord have mercy. That's right, Morgan. Boulder has cited the director of the Colorado Buff football operations with violating a health order after the team took more than 100 people on a team hike up Mount Sinaitis with most players not wearing masks or social distancing. Oh, Jesus. I mean... I'm sorry I'm having fun here today. (laughs) This is Boulder at its finest. Coach Barnett's probably losing his mind right now. You're trying to do something as a team activity, and you take 100 guys outdoors on a hike... They weren't I I don't have footage of the hike other than you're outdoors. And they're not giving piggyback rides to one another. How brutal is that? It's horrific. Do you see the new SEC short? Yeah, that was hilarious. It was great. Do we do we have it ready? We do not. No. Okay. Okay. The the SEC short is absolutely incredible where You've got, and just to kind of paint this picture, if you're not familiar with it, it's someone playing the SEC, it's another person playing the ACC, and someone playing the Big Twelve, and uh, they are stopped on the side of the road because the the Big Twelve character that they're all on a road trip to the college football playoff, <laughs> the the Big Twelve person is by the side of the bushes losing his lunch because. They reference Kansas getting whacked by Coastal Carolina in back-to-back years. And all of a sudden, showing up on the side of the road is the female who played the character of the Big Ten. Hey, guys, how you doing? No, 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 you're not joining us. Don't you have a deposition to go to? (laughs) (laughs) And something was mentioned about a, a Kevin Warren leadership conference that was... Absolutely well played. And then you've got this little hippie following along, carrying the Big Ten's bags, known as the Pac-12. And he's trying to throw the football and play catch with himself, and he loses the ball into the woods. And the Big Ten coldly says, they'll be doing that for hours. We can leave without him. But you're sitting in the back middle seat, Big Ten, says the SEC. Fun show today, good stuff. Talked schedules, talked bad calls in high school football. Got some thoughts from Bill Dolman. And uh, we had fun with the uh, table read any given Sunday by the one and only Clausburn. Talk to you tomorrow at 7. Take care. High school ball tonight.